What do you think about elders in the Baptist Church? I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And uh, we're thinking about church government today. Stan, you and I have been around for a while. Oh, we've we have. Seen, yes, we have. We've seen a lot of, uh, I remember the days when uh, small groups were introduced to our churches. That's had a profound impact. But I also am mindful that we've seen another transition in leadership in our churches. Back in the day, the typical Baptist church had deacons and a paid pastor, and they led the church together. But uh, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, there was a movement toward what a lot of our guys thought was a Presbyterian model, can't be any good, it's not Baptistic. But church by church, uh, we uh, dealt with the elder issue. And today, I, I think most of our churches would have a plurality of elders. So we want to talk about that, how, how we got here. And maybe if we have time, we can talk about another wrinkle in the subject. How does staff relate to uh, the elders team? Yes, it's, it's really fascinating history. I, I served uh, two Baptist churches as a pastor um, prior to moving into full-time theological education. So now the the end of my pastoral ministry full-time came in 1985. So I'm I'm really talking about um, the late Middle Ages, sort of. But in both those churches, we had me, a pastor, and we had a group of deacons. And together, we gave oversight and leadership to the church. But I even back then, I mean, I, I was already uh, beginning to say, the problem with, with the terminology is that in the New Testament, where you find a group described as as leading or governing, they are called elders or overseers. They aren't called deacons. In fact, there's there's almost nothing said in the New Testament actually about what deacons do. But obviously it's those called elders, you know, who, who are who are described as leading or governing. And so even then I was thinking, you know, probably uh, we should ask about that and maybe sh- maybe shift the terminology, maybe shift the structure a bit. I, I remember that happening in, in my home church, and it seemed good to a lot of people because it's basically an invitation for leadership. If you look at the quali- qualifications of an elder, uh, those are leaders, and you want those kind of people, so create space for them, call them up, and, and give them uh, jurisdiction in legitimate eldership tasks separated from whatever it is deacons do. And when that happened, there, there were a lot of people who say this, this seems wrong. Uh, the, el- the role of deacon was being diminished in the eyes of some, and maybe it was being corrected because uh, deacons are not, by definition, called to rule. Uh, the terminology is to serve in whatever capacity, I think, that determines, is determined by the need of the church. Right. One of the problems that, that we've always faced, I think, is that in the New Testament, you simply don't find the terminology of the pastor of the church. In fact, I mean, the, the noun, uh, poimen, shepherd, pastor, is really only used to describe uh, church leaders one time. That's Ephesians 4.11, and it's plural. 
and it's attached to teachers, pastors and teachers. The verb form, poimino, to shepherd, is, is used to describe what elders do. Shepherding or pastoring mm-hmm. is what elders do. That's why Paul describes it in Acts 20 when we have the account of his talking to the elders of the Ephesian church. So for a variety of reasons, historically, we fell into this pattern of using the term pastor to describe only that um, vocational servant of the church, which it, it, it's, is a way that it's simply not used in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what created the need, I think, for many of us to start rethinking this. Now, I remember my first pastorate was back in the USA, and back there, when, when we admitted that in the New Testament, the people who lead or govern are called elders or overseers, not deacons. Baptists went in two different directions. One direction, the direction I went, is to say we, we really should accept the idea of plural eldership, one or more of whom may serve the church vocationally, but they're all elders who shepherd the church. The other move was to say, that's right, deacons don't govern, pastors do, I'm the pastor, and I govern. By myself. By myself. I still remember uh, in, in Bloomington, Indiana, where my first pastorate was, uh, there was another Baptist church locally that started a Christian school. And I, I went to um, an information town hall kind of meeting when they were introducing the school. And during the Q&A, someone asked the pastor, so who's going to function as the board of the school? And he said, the deacons of the church will, will give me counsel, but when God wants a job done, he calls a man. <laughs> I will govern this school. Now, that, that was one direction, uh, the wrong direction, I, I believe, but, but it was one way they went. But, but over time, as you say, I think most, probably the majority of Baptist churches in our tribe now have a plurality of elders, Typically, I mean, conceptually, we say one of them, at least, the pastor, the paid pastor, is one of them conceptually, functionally, although most of us now in Ontario would would bow to legal precedent and say only the unpaid elders are actually the voting elders of the church. Right, so there's a couple of issues that come up with that, and one of them is um, the sense of call. So if you've got a pastor, paid pastor, paid elder, if you will, and uh, he's leading these lay elders, um, how, do, how do you factor in whatever the call, I'm called of God, you're not, I am. Um, how, how, do, how does one lead with that sense of call, or is that a right way of looking at it? Wow, I, I think you've probably brought up a topic for another yeah. another episode of our but podcast. Try to another answer it anyways. <laughs> to, to put it in brief, I, I think I would say, as with the term pastor, I think we probably have historically started using the term called in a way that doesn't quite match New Testament usage. In, in New Testament usage, the 
certainly for the Apostle Paul, the focus is on what what is what are my spiritual gifts? What has God enabled me to do? What's God given me a uh, properly motivated passion to do? And do I recognize that ability? Do others recognize that ability? And so where gift meets opportunity, that's the sense of, of call. I remember when I was growing up, I, th- I think I, I somehow got the sense from the preaching I heard that if, if God wanted me to be a pastor, probably I wouldn't want to. I, God would probably have to drag me kicking and screaming into it. And thus the common Baptist jargon then about surrendering to preach. Mm-hmm. Paul on the Damascus Road became the paradigm, right. as it were. And yet one day I, I, I was read First Timothy 3, and Paul says, if, if anyone aspires to the office of oversight, he desires a good work. And then he goes on to talk about the, the kind of men those ought to be. But he, he seems okay with the idea that I might have a properly motivated desire to serve in that way. Yeah, that verse got me too. That was part of my call. I, I wasn't embarrassed anymore to say, yeah, this seems good to me. It's what I want. What do I need to do to be effective in that? So I think we have to admit, if if the elders are saying, look, for a whole lot of reasons, we need at least one, one man here to give himself vocationally to serving as pastor. Then, then they ask, well, okay, I mean, who is that going to be? Well, I take it it should be a man who demonstrates with, with maybe special intensity the ability to do what elders do, shepherd and teach, and, and who, has, who has a sense of properly motivated desire to do it. So the call, I take it, would be, would be evidence of, of, um, of strength, to do the kind of thing that needs to be done in a vocational way. And the elders as a whole would agree, yes, that you, you, can, be, you can be an elder in a, in a special sense, one of us, but we set you apart to, to devote your time and energy with special intensity to doing what elders do. Would that be the double honor? Those who labor in the word, worthy of double honor. Does that inform? Yeah, that's the First Timothy five seventeen. That that's the text that that I think is significant here. Although, Paul, what Paul says is, let the elders who lead well, who govern well, be be given double honor, especially those who labor or toil. And the word, the verb there, kopiao, seems to carry overtones of giving himself to it uh, to a special degree to to the word and teaching it indicates i i do think it indicates that some among the elders would be set aside in that special way but paul paul seems to say you you're to, you should give double honor to all the elders who govern well now in a special way in a remunerative way what about the ones who don't <laughs> Well, you challenge them to be better elders, I think. Right, yeah. But I, but I think the the especially those who, those who give them, we would say, give themselves in some sense vocationally yeah. to the ministry of the word. It's remunerative because Paul says, in order to 
support all that. He quotes from Deuteronomy, and he quotes the words of Jesus from Deuteronomy, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading the grain. Mm -hmm. Let the ox eat Mm -hmm. some of the grain it's treading. So you're compared to an ox here, but I, you know, I hate to say it's better than, you know, what? It could be a whole lot worse, (laughs) be a whole lot worse. And, and then Jesus words, the worker is worthy of his wages. So I think the especially is saying, yes, not all the elders are set apart to do it vocationally. All the elders who govern well should be honored, but especially in terms of providing materially Mm -hmm. for those who devote themselves in what we would call a vocational way to the task. Okay, very quickly now, uh, more and more of our churches, unlike back in the day, you've got multiple staff. You've got, in some cases, females who are on staff. Then you've got uh, young men, graduates from Heritage. They feel called into the pastoral ministry. They're 22, 23 years of age. They're doing pastoral work in the church. They're paid. Are they elders? Should they, be, should they relate to the elders team? We may not finish this question, but I want to bring it up right now. Yeah, it's worth bringing up. I think we probably do need to explore it a bit further. I, I would argue that um, the church can rightly recognize some of those pastoral staff members as elders while saying of others, they aren't yet in that category. They may not may not have had the experience we would like. They they, they just may not have demonstrated that that level of maturity that we think we would like. But I I don't see any reason why some members of a church ministry staff couldn't beyond one couldn't be considered as elders. But that would be a, an issue the the elders and Existing elders in church would have to decide, I think. Because it is an issue. Uh, I meet with, with teams, I meet with my staff, and we make decisions. Sometimes it feels like an elders team, and then I go to the elders, and it's another thing, and it works for us here, uh, but it is something to think about. And then you've got some churches that they have a separate deacons board, which maybe doesn't understand what deacons are, and so you've got uh, uh, polarized leadership. So maybe we can talk about this at our next episode because we're out of time now because we are going on the radio. And so for that sake, we have to conclude it. So until then, thanks for listening. Keep on thinking.